this is most important, Rat. It comes down to making out. Whenever possible. Put on side one of Rock All Over You Podcast! Let's rock! Eric and Edwin. Edwin and Eric, they don't give a fuck. They just want you to rock. Yeah. Bam, 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 Dilly D. Bam, bam, bam. Olden Glieben Gloppen Gloven. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Rock All Over You podcast. I'm Eric Jordan, RMCP, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Eddie Canastracci. And Edwin, why don't you introduce our very, very special guest tonight? Oh, he's very special because, you know, <laughs> everyone knows him, at least everyone in the RMCP Army. He, he's a legend. He's a legend in the RMCP Army. And we still see him on Facebook sometimes. He still, you know, does his. You know, we get clips of him, you know, you know, doing his wrestling stuff with his kids and he coaches wrestling and we see a lot of wrestling. We see that. We yep. also see vinyls. We, he still likes to show off his vinyls, especially after he's been drinking a bit. And and he still likes his his goddamn microbrew beer, you know. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of Johnny's trademark wrestling vinyls and micro microbrew beer. This fucking beers I never even heard of. You know, this guy. You know, it's like, you know, that snobbish guy that likes indie rock and he'll like know the most obscure group. Like, here's this band. It's this Welsh band, you know, that had one record in 1995 and they're really the best band in the world. You know, well, that's kind of what Johnny's like with his beer. And yes, we are talking about the one and only fucking Johnny Vogan. Hey, man, how you doing? I, I am well and I'm glad to be making uh, this comeback. It's my big comeback. Who knows what might happen? Yeah, and, uh, and where it might go. It's been Ed, a while since you've done a podcast, right, Johnny? It's been it's been a while. It's been since you and I, Ryan, Ian, Ralph did the uh, top twenty-five Molly Cruz song. So it's been a long time. So I'm happy to be uh, happy to be back. And uh, thank you for that wonderful introduction. There you go. Well, it's By great way, to Edwin, have you. I thought yeah. it was luscious, Johnny Vogan. It is. It is. It was, Save that for Ian. It's luscious Johnny V. But I, also, uh, I, do, I will say I'm, I'm trending away from the, the craft beer scene. I'm trending away from a little bit. Okay, that's good to hear. So you're starting to appreciate just good old fashioned. Now I just, yeah. I just have it's just it's hit it's hit a wall for me. I need to, I need to see see a little bit more diversity. <laughs> um, Still, I still like to have like the occasional triple IPA because it's ten percent, like get fucked up. But you know, yeah, three yeah. beers and a couple shots will be the same. So, we'll yeah, see. you you mean you'd like to diversify your your booze intake? You mm-hmm. don't want all that just the hoppy shit. I don't know. To me, if I drink if I drink fucking uh, you know microbrew beers like you did, Johnny, I would just have a lot of acid reflux. Just be too much. I can't handle it. Usually I don't like those. One, I can't stand those craft beers. Just, just, one, just as like the starter beer. I do do that sometimes. I do like a dark ale sometimes, you know, or like a heavier beer. And usually I'll start with that. You know, my routine is I start off with a heavier drink and then I work my way down until like finally I'm just drinking like light beer and eventually like just water, you know, gutter water on the ground, you know, and eventually. Bush latte right now. <laughs> what are you drinking? A bush light. A bush light. Bush there light. You. Oh, God damn! Why did you not get paid this week? 
No, I've just been I've been out, I've been drinking for a while. <laughs> no, just, I was gonna say. I, just <laughs> I know what right I know what jo- my Johnny. It's the same reason why I'm drinking a light beer. It means drinking's already occurred. It's already occurred. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We already got you at the light beer stage. All right. That's remember, a- Edwin. Remember, remember when I um, remember when you texted me and I said we gotta wait an hour. I'll explain. Oh yeah, what's yeah, what's this explanation? Yeah, I, I left yeah. my keys at a bar. <laughs> oh fuck. And I went out to start my car because it's fucking cold. Okay, drove to the next bar. My keys were still at the other bar, and I had to get a <laughs> ride back to get them. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, day in the life of Johnny Bogan. Aren't, aren't you like you're not day. you're like outside of Buffalo, right? Aren't you? Yeah. 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 So it is pretty fucking cold where you're at. Yeah, it's not pleasant. Okay. So you got your keys. You got everything. Yeah. Okay. And you're, you know, after being drunk and having a misadventure, it's a perfect state of mind to to review a Def Leppard album. Absolutely. (laughs) Especially one that we've all lived with. I, I I took it for granted. I mean, I know more than once I've seen this. This is like one of the vinyls I've seen you spin a few times while you're. I, 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 I'm a fan. I'm a yeah. fan and fan of this album too. Yeah, so that's when Eric brought this up. I was thinking, who could we bring into the mix that we haven't had before on this show officially and who knows this album like the back of their hand? Who could review it even when they're shit faced? And the first person I thought of was Johnny Bogan. So, okay, Eric, what's, what's your history with. Uh, what, what's this album called again? It's a little album. It's called Pyromania. Just a little little album that just did very successful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my history of Pyro- I guess I'll start my history for Def Leppard, basically. But uh, you know, I was a young kid, man, getting into heavy metal, hard rock. Started with Kiss, then Iron Man, Judas Priest, Sabotage. You know, just all these band, hard rock and heavy metal bands. Uh, it was just the floodgates were opening. So my mom watched a lot of VH1, and VH1 always had like these, uh, you know, VH1 movies that rock and all this stuff, you know, and like, what was your most shocking moments in rock and roll? Well, she had the TV on, she had VH1 on, and I see this preview for Hysteria, the Def Leppard story, like the world premiere on VH1, and I just remember like seeing this and seeing the drummer with one arm, and I'm like, I'm like, Mom, why is that guy drumming with one arm? And, you know, she explained the backstory. So I was like, I need to see this movie. So it was like a Friday night that I was premiering. And my mom had to go. My mom and dad were divorced at the time. And, uh, well, they're still divorced to this day. But uh, they had just gotten divorced. My mom had to go somewhere, I think, for work. Or she was going to hang out with her friends. So she hired uh, her uh, friend Sandra to babysit. And I was in love with this woman. Uh, she was a sexy babysitter, and uh, I had the time written down at what that movie was going to be on, so I made sure to be in my room with the TV on um, to watch that movie, and I, I love that movie. I-, I know it's, like, really shitty, it's really dumb, and, like, a lot of people just hate on it. I love that movie, even though it is bad. Um, I just, I loved it, and uh, right isn't then that, there... It, it, Eric, isn't that the one where... Anthony Michael Hall is playing Mutt Lang. If yep, I yeah, that's recall. the one. That's okay. the one. I yeah. love that movie, but I watched it and I think they played it like twice. So that, so night. that was the first time you heard like 
these songs or songs from like hysteria and stuff yeah that was the first time i heard anything by def leppard and so my mom had that uh greatest hit cd it was called like vault so i borrowed that cd and i I remember just playing like you know pour some sugar on me bring it on the heartbreak that cd out too back in the day yeah and i was just under the vault isn't yeah. it just pretty much hysteria and pyromania? What else would they put on? Pretty much. <laughs> Bring it on the heartbreak, man. <laughs> Bring it on the heartbreak. That's yeah. what, no, but yeah, well, that's... then there was a few from uh, you know, Let's Get Rock. We stuck that one. Oh, on. fuck Ooh. that song. Oh, yeah. Let's but no, so there. I bought that CD, and then my mom also, because my mom's badass, she had On Through the Night, because that's actually her favorite Def Leppard album, and she loves Rock Brigade. That's her favorite song. Ooh, your mom is badass. Yeah, and then my dad had High and Dry, and his favorite was uh, Lady Strange. Your dad's so, even more badass. Hell yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that kick-started it, you know, and uh, I'll go on about how I discovered Pyromania as we talk about the songs, because I, I heard all the, a lot of these songs, like the hits on the radio, but it wasn't until like high school that I finally got my hands on a copy of uh, Pyromania, where I could hear all the songs, like the deep cuts and shit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean... Th- in my opinion, man, Def Leppard is probably the uh, most like chick-friendly uh, hard rock band. Because I mean, it may, some people may say Bon Jovi because he's a pretty boy, but let's be honest, man, chicks love Def Leppard. Even like all these, all these like young chicks getting into '80s music because of Stranger Things and all that, they just love Def Leppard for whatever reason. And I mean, Def Leppard wrote some chick-friendly like you know hard rock. Uh, songs, you know, pour some sugar on me is like, dude. I'll tell you what, you you play pour some sugar on me around a bunch of drunk women, no matter what age group, they're gonna go ape shit like that. Pour some sugar on me. I, I, I do love that song. Yeah, that's song like the, that song is like the national anthem of like a a woman's egg dropping like that. Something about that song just triggers like something in a in a woman to just be like, oh fuck, I. I'm feeling a certain way right now, you know. It's that's it's so they are. I think Mutt Lang did something in the production with those uh, drum machine like pads, those like electro pads that Rick Allen may be hitting. I don't know. Some, he put some voodoo <laughs> magic in there, Maybe. man. Because I literally, you play pour some sugar on me around chicks, especially drunk chicks. They just go ape shit. That, when good. I used to strip, that song was in my routine because I get all the girls wild up, man. <laughs> you have to bust out wet floor signs when you play that song. <laughs> It is. It is true. Uh, yes. Not only is Eric Jordan an ex stripper. Uh, it is true that the women. I would say white women generally, for the most part. Might be I don't know, man. I've seen like women of all different ethnicities, yeah. but yeah, a lot of white women. I will. I will say, yeah. But there is something to the electro drum rhythms that drive women fucking crazy. I agree. I agree. But we don't want to talk about hysteria. Oh fuck hysteria! Is it hysteria or hysteria? I say hysteria. But that's because you're Midwestern. It's hysteria. <laughs> I feel like a like a snob when I say that. Like one of those like, oh, let's let. Well, would you like to listen to hysteria? But Johnny Bogan and me are from the Northeast, so we'd be like hysteria. It's fucking <laughs> freaking hysteria. <laughs> when Joe Elliott says it in the song, though, it's hysteria. Yeah, because he's British. Yeah, he's so, British. Yeah, he's British. But. Anyway, so what? So uh, Johnny, Johnny Vogan, the one and only. What, what's your history with Def Leppard? Well, I mean, uh, you're a child of probably, the '80s, right? Got got into the to the Leopard around the Hysteria era, of course. The pour some sugar on me. I mean, photograph 
too. I mean, if you're watching MTV, you would see even during the time of like hysteria, uh, photograph was always still in heavy rotation. Always. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up uh, hysteria was one of the first tapes I got. Loved it. Went back and, and, and got pyromania. Loved that. Kind of stopped there. Then, you know, around my probably like early teens, uh, Adrenalize came out. And Did you like that at the time? No, not really. No. <laughs> yeah, that one was horrible. <laughs> Were you still into hysteria by that point? Or did you? Because I don't even, I mean, I'm assuming I, yeah, you're yeah. Not, you don't love still, that album. I'm still now, into hysteria now. You still yes. like it? Okay. Oh, wow. yeah. I wasn't sure about that. Yeah, because yes. hysteria is like the the dividing line for some fans. It, it is, but I got into it first, so I consider that album like a thriller or like a Purple Rain. It's it's not like or, or even a black album. Like it's it's not it's not as great by any means, but for like a pop metal, like Slippery One Wet, like I like Slippery One Wet. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't think yeah. it's a terrible record for what it is. I, I like Hysteria um, better. I mean, if we're gonna just talk a little bit about Hysteria, it's just oh, I out. do too. I like yeah. it a lot better. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I think Def Leppard at their worst is better than Bon Jovi at their best. Uh, First, I, I agree. Yeah, yep. and but there's far worse to come out after Hysteria. Far, yeah. far. Worse. Oh, oh, yeah. I, you know, this is the thing. I, I, although I do hate that song, "Let's Get Rocked" or whatever the fuck that song. That song's called. stupid. <laughs> it's really stupid and had a really stupid video, but. I, on a whole, do like Adrenalize actually a little, a little bit better than Hysteria. I, there's a couple songs on there that are, I don't know, have a little more of a Pyromania vibe. Like it's slicker. Don't get me like wrong. Like White Lightning. White Lightning, I love. Oh, I love, I love it too. I was, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I like that better than anything on Hysteria. There's also that song. Uh, what Tonight is a good song. Yeah, that, couple- I like the acoustic version of that better. There's like a live acoustic version that's even better. Okay, maybe it's just not as burned out. That's the thing too. Like you know, you don't even the hits from Adrenalize. You don't hear as much from, as Hysteria. Like Hysteria, right. I'm very burned out on. All the um, oh, there's a couple songs like Animals, all right. Uh, I like the tr- title track. I always like the title track. I think that's oh a nice, wow. Yeah, it's a nice wistful pop. I love Temple Ballad. Yeah, it's a Temple Ballad. I love um from Hysteria. I love Pour Some Sugar on Me, and I love uh. Uh, what's that other one? Woman. I love Woman's good. Oh, yeah. Woman's really good. I like Woman a lot. That's universally like the song a lot of people that. love, even if they hate that album. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's all right. I don't hate it like some people, Hysteria, but it's not an album I go back to. I can kind of hear how, like, sonically it was – like it's a unique record. Like, a lot of albums don't really sound like that. It's, like, futuristic pop metal. And, I, well, I guess Pyromania kind of, you know, sets it up a bit, but then Hysteria takes it farther. <laughs> but it's like, but it's like, it's essentially Pyromania without the balls. That's like what it sounds like to Basically. me. Basically. So, and yeah. generally speaking, if I'm going to listen to one of those albums, I'm going to go to Pyromania. But over the years, uh, and I think, isn't uh, High and Dry your favorite, Johnny? Because that's the one that's become my oh, favorite. Oh, by far. By yeah, far. It, it, yeah. It's actually probably my favorite record i mean i i have a like a, a top five excluding van halen yeah of the, of the 80s of that of that decade shout at the devil out of the cellar tooth and nail um 
Appetite. I, I think High and Dry is the best record like out of that group. It's my personal favorite. Like from wow. top to bottom, I love it. Absolutely. It's comp- it's competitive. That I you know you and me we've talked about this before. Yeah, John, it's a tough Facebook. group. It, 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 but yeah, High and Dry is a competitive record for like best metal album of the 80s you know and we all agree we consider that stuff metal because it was considered metal back yeah in the 80s. we're not these fucking douchebag elitists living in their parents basement like oh that's not metal <laughs> it's just like you know let me tell you it, in the 80s people called that shit metal you know i still a, call it metal yeah yeah it's, it's just a different kind of metal you can call it pop metal glam metal whatever but you know high and dry that was just you know catchy melodic that is metal that- this new wave of British heavy metal. High, high and dry, that's what it is. High and dry, I think, is, yeah, I, I'm definitely a high and dry guy. Although I didn't listen to that until, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking late teens, early 20s. I knew the song, like the, the uh, Bring It On to Heartbreak, and I knew the song High and Dry Saturday Night because Headbangers Boss sometimes showed that. And I remember always thinking it was cool because it sounded like ACDC and I was a big ACDC fan. So I was like, oh, that high and dry song sounds like ACDC. That's awesome. But for whatever reason, I know I kind of thought of Def Leppard as like my like my brother's band, like my older brother really. I guess I'll go into my story now. Uh, he he was he had the one of the first wave of CDs he bought was Dawkins Back for the Attack. The Lost Boys soundtrack, the Rocky Four soundtrack, <laughs> and and Def Leppard's Pyromania, and I think he got Hysteria too. Maybe it was even the same year. Um, you know, Def Leppard was just so huge at that point that everyone was rushing out and getting Hysteria, and then also getting Pyromania as well. And I think he got both of them around the same time period because I just remembered both those CDs. And I don't know, there was just something really about pyromania's album cover with the whole like crosshairs you know building on fire thing you know it looked very like cool it's it a looked very like awesome cover cool. it looked like something from an action film you know and i was you know i was a kid of the 80s so i was into like you know arnold schwarzenegger and stallone films and and lethal weapon movies and stuff like that and and it's interesting because this is you know it came out before die hard came out a few years later but it's like there's the song Die Hard the Hunter. There's a skyscraper, you know, an explosion fire. So it's interesting. I'm not saying that this album, Pyromania, inspired the movie Die Hard, but maybe. <laughs> maybe it did. But anyway, there's something about that cover that drew me in. But also, you know, at least living at this time, I'm originally from Philly, but my childhood, as some people know, from 3 to 13 was actually in South Florida. My family moved down to Florida. So I got to tell you, at least in South Florida, you know, you heard songs before Hysteria. This is like, I don't know, 84 or whatever. I'm just a little kid. I'm a little elementary school kid. I, you know, so I wasn't that into music, but you heard the radio, you heard like, you know, whenever you went to a mall, whenever you were in a car with your family, whatever, like on the radio. I heard, I remember, it was actually Rock of Ages is the one I remember hearing most. In the bowling alley, like I used to bowl, I was a little kid bowling. It's a, bowling alley in florida and i remember hearing rock of ages all the time at this bowling alley and yeah you also heard photograph as well so those two songs photograph and rock of ages i just remember hearing a lot down in south florida as a kid so i was already aware of those songs before my brother around i guess 87 brought those two cds into the household but once he brought in hysteria and pyromania he just played those two cds all the time so and by that point 
I was starting to watch like MTV and stuff and and starting to see the videos and of course they had like 20 videos from Hysteria. So, and that it was all it was for a while. There was like a couple of years there where there was always like some new video from Hysteria. It was a little like Guns N' Roses with the Usual Illusion albums or Janet Jackson with like Rhythm Nation. Like there was a couple albums like that where they just kind of were like it'd be like 2 years later and you'd be like, "Oh, there's Still doing videos from this album? <laughs> they had milked the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Hysteria was like one of the... The Black Album was a little like that, too. Yeah. It'd be like two years later, like, oh, they're just getting to Sampa True now? Oh, okay, okay. Why not? Go for it. Make some more money. Anyway, but Pyromania, though, it, it, this was like before they... I don't know, it's interesting, because there's only tech, there's only like four singles, but I gotta tell you, I don't remember Too Late, Too Late ever being shown on MTV. I'm sure it was at the time, but uh, Too Late for Love. Uh, I'm sorry, I confused it for a Motorhead song for a second. <laughs> <laughs> too Fast, I don't know, Too Late for Love. I, we'll talk about it when we get to that song, but I don't remember that one on MTV. But I do remember the other three. Photograph, Rock of Ages, I remember seeing those videos. And Foolin, you would see Foolin on Headbangers Ball occasionally. And you would see a couple songs from High and Dry and, you know, all this. But but I never wanted to go back because I already borrowed my brother's two CDs, Pyromania and Hysteria, so often that, you know, I just I didn't feel like I needed to go back. And there was so much new music going on. You know, I was getting into Metallica and, and Thrash and then a little bit after that, a lot of the Seattle stuff. And, you know, I was just getting into a lot of different music. So, you know, Def Leppard already felt like some old 80s band to me. So, you know, so I just never really did the deep dive until it was probably when I was like going back and listening to like a lot of new wave of British heavy metal stuff and Motorhead and like Paul Deano, Iron Maiden. That's I'm guessing it was probably around that period. That's when I probably went back and got high and dry and just uh, totally in love with it. And then after that, you know, I got On Through the Night and loved that as well. But even though I do love On Through the Night, I gotta say High and Dry is like the perfect album for Def Leppard because it's like right there. It's in between On Through the Night and Pyromania. They still got their metal edge, but they still got a little of the new wave of British heavy metal feeling, but yet it's really melodic. You've got Mutt Lang producing it. Joe Elliott's now singing in that awesome kind of Brian Johnson way. And to me, that's the perfect Def Leppard album. But we're not talking about that album. We're talking about Pyromania. And, you know, I'll talk about my feelings about it as we get to it. Uh, Johnny, you got anything else to say about Pyromania in your history of Def Leppard before we jump into this? No, I mean, just I, I, I had I bought Pyromania and, and Asteria's cassettes, and I, I didn't get into high and dry until... I was in college in the download area era and, and you know, that whole Napster thing. And, I, and then, then I got into high and dry and, um, you know, on through the night and the EP and, and, you know, yeah. kind of saw the different, the different versions of the band and the Pete Willis effect that they lost when he left. And yeah. Think that this, this, this album is the last bash of that that era and, and, and changed but yeah i don't know. i'm sorry johnny what were you saying no i mean just the, the pyromania is really the last the last pete willis influence that you can hear and then since then everything's just been you know phil collin joe elliott def leppard 
Yeah, especially like there was like a couple of things. Once like Pete Willis was gone, they were a different band. And then exactly. when Steve Clark died, they were even more right. different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one thing a lot of people know, it's actually more than influence. You know, you know, Pete Willis actually plays rhythm on every song on this album. Yep. Like, I don't think a lot of people know that. I didn't even know that until recently. Me I either. Like, I knew he co-wrote songs, and I knew like he had an influence. But I'm reading this now. I was reading up and researching it. He did lay down rhythm for all the songs before he got shit canned. <laughs> you know. Um, I don't know if they used them. I, I, I know they were there. I don't know if he, if he was used for all the tracks. If they may have re-recorded some of them with Phil. They, they apparently Phil, at least from what I'm reading. Um, you know, not to say that everything on the internet's true, but from what I'm reading, Phil just did solos. He just came in and just did the guitar solos, you know, for the ones that Steve Clark didn't do. You know, they trade off lead. They used to, you know, hit Steve and uh, Pete did that as well. They used to trade off leads. So, so they left some leads that were supposed to be for Pete, but then they fired him. And then apparently Phil came in and just did those leads. But at least according to Wikipedia, he is cited as playing Pete Wells' rhythm guitar on all tracks. So that's interesting because I didn't know that until recently. Uh, and, and he co-wrote some key songs, including the big hit photograph is one right. that has his songwriting credits. I know I got to ask a question. I don't want to be glib about alcoholism or Steve Clark's death. So I don't want people to think I'm being glib about it. But... I gotta ask a question though. How fucked up did Pete Wills have to be to get kicked out of the band for alcoholism with Steve Clark? I mean, you ever see clips of Steve Clark? Like even during Pyromania, let alone Hysteria, that guy looked really fucked up. And, oh man, that guy was a drinker. Yeah, he was. You could tell. You could smell the booze when you look at this guy. You know. <laughs> and and then we know how he passed away, sadly. But what I'm saying is, Steve Clark was no teetotaler. He was a he was an alcoholic. So. How fucked up was Pete Wills? You know, where where they leave Steve Clark in the band, but they got to kick out Pete Wills. Now, I know he's a little guy, so maybe Pete Wills got drunker faster. Uh, John, Johnny Mogan, you have any, any idea how fucked up Pete Wills must have been? I think that Pete Wills, and I've read some on this, I don't think that he liked the direction that the band was going under Mutt I think he wanted to stay metal. And I don't think that he was totally on board with the rest of the band. And I know, like, I've read some stuff that Joe Elliott had said, like, oh, Pete slept in rehearsals and, and Pete wasn't there. And they gave him the job of firing Pete. But I think a lot of it had to do with his, he, he was not content with the direction yeah, so you think they were kind of using that a little as an excuse because maybe the different, like him and Steve were both drunks, but Steve was more like going <laughs> was, along with it. Drunk. And I think, like, yeah, I mean, uh, that makes got, sense. His alcoholism got worse with the direction of the band. Yeah, it makes sense. And maybe, like I said, he laid down like the, the raw guitar lines, but then maybe because, you know, it's about the production afterwards, adding keyboards, the more, more you know, overlaid vocals. Maybe the things they were doing or the things they wanted even specifically to do a photograph, maybe he imagined those songs kind of different and they did have some creative differences. So suddenly they used his drinking as kind of an excuse to push him out. So is that what you think they probably did, John? I feel that way about Pete Willis, yes. That he's makes been, sense. He's been a solid dude ever since. I mean, he hasn't really much issues with that. 
Yeah, you know, uh, but yeah, there's definitely, I mean, to me, it's like a trilogy. I mean, it's it's these three albums. It's the first three albums. I Like I said, I don't hate Hysteria. I think for what it is, it's a good pop rock album, but it, and it's better than a lot of other sh- shit. Like, you know, I definitely would rather listen to Hysteria than like Poison or Bon Jovi or a lot of stuff like from the, that era. But still, it's it can't. To me, real Def Leppard is the first three albums with Pete Willis. Once Pete Willis is gone, that's it. You know, it's yeah. like Pete Willis and you know Rick Allen's arm. Once they they're gone, area is it's of the time. Yeah, and, oh, it's it's a I think it's a, a great pop rock record, but not not of the time like the White Snake. Like think about the White Snake that came out around the same year. The White yeah. Snake self title. Yeah, the '87 album. Battle, that that White Snake self-titled had had the metal and the pop, and it all worked, and it made it, it appeased everybody. Really, you had, you had your balance and everything, but you still had in the still the night, you know, some great fucking metal songs. But Hysteria totally went the other way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they just embrace it. But, and that's the thing, they've kind of, like, these days, like, Def Leppard doesn't even like to think of themselves as a metal group. And it's just too bad. I mean, I guess they don't need to, because they can fill a stadium with Motley Crue just playing to a bunch of drunk women. So, as long as they do the hits, you know. They, they have guess. included, though, they have included some high and dry songs, a few of them. Let It Go, another hit and run. Like, they'll throw those, they'll, they'll throw one or two of those songs out. Bring on the heartbreak a lot. Yeah, well, obviously that one, and, and I love that song. I mean, that's great. I mean, I I don't even mind the the remix with the keyboards, although I do. Oh, prefer, I don't like that. <laughs> I, I prefer the original, but I don't mind it. I mean, yeah, it's still a good song, and uh, but the original high drive one's obviously the best. But anyway, so let's jump into this shit. So Johnny, you're our very very special guest. What do you think of the song that is entitled Rock Rock? And then in parentheses, we all know how I love parentheses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Till You Drop. So officially, the song's just called Rock Rock, but they got an in parentheses telling you what the rest of the lyrics say. Till You Drop. <laughs> what do you think of this fucking song, Johnny Bogan? Funny title, but I, I like the song. I think it's a great, a great uh, starter for the album. Um, I'm a fan. Uh, probably mid-tier as far as... Um, on the album, but I, I think it's a good good song to start off the album. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit cliche. It's a little bit of like pointing to what's to come with with hysteria. Like, not the most creative song lyrically, but I think like musically, very solid. Um, you know, not one I ever skip to be sure. Uh, you know, uh, definitely not one of my favorites but probably mid-tier for me but not a bad song to start the album that's what i would say okay right on what do you think Eric? oh man so we start off at rock rock parentheses till you drop i fucking love this song man it's a great way to kick off the album you know it has like that kind of slower intro like some of the keyboards and whatnot and that just builds up into this really kick-ass uh acdc sounding song and I remember for the longest time, a lot of people compared uh, specifically High and Dry and Pyromania to ACDC. A lot of people said, oh, it's very ACDC sounding. 
I never understood that. I'm like, like what? Like no, ACDC, Def Leppard, like two totally different bands. But as I've gotten older, and I've listened to those two albums a lot more. I can hear it so much now. It's like this is total like uh, ACDC, man. This is just a fun party song, man. It's just this is a great way to to kick it off, man. This song's fun, man. It makes you want to go driving around on like a beach, picking up chicks, having some drinks, having fun, you know, and. Uh, great tune and uh i i wanted to say too that when we were doing uh we were doing the research for this uh because we knew we were going to do it for the longest time i was with you guys at high and dry was my favorite def leppard album going back and revisiting this i i, I gotta say it i i can't i want to be countercultural, but i gotta say it <laughs> pyromania to me best Def Leppard album to me it's just the cu- accumulation of like just everything right about the first two albums and then like some of the pop sensibility that they kind of overdid with Hysteria to me this is just this is Def Leppard at their peak they never topped this album this album is just perfection and you'll hear me talk about that more as just this goes on I mean they're them and Quiet Riot with Metal Health really helped get heavy metal music like kind of mainstream and get out there. You know, just this is my favorite Def Leppard album now. I, you know, I can't fault you for that. I mean, I I would say this is. It's really... also Bill Bill Wang's favorite Def Leppard album. Oh, there's no, no shit, really? I do not agree with that at all. That is so crazy because I literally was just having a text exchange with Bill Wang while you guys were talking about that. <laughs> He gets very defensive about people praising high and dry over. Yeah, he was a potential backup uh, if you uh, fell through, Johnny. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I, I believe that. <laughs> yeah, because it was looking like John. We pushed this by an hour because Johnny had to get his keys, you know, uh, in his drunken stupor. And I was just like, oh well, who's someone that knows this album like the back of his hand? So I hit up Bill Wang. So we were just talking about that. <laughs> See, he was like, come in, hey, you know what's going on? It's like, oh, we got. Johnny's here, but we'll do a future episode of Bill Wang, who's also a fucking legend, like fucking Johnny Vogan. Uh, I can't fault you, Eric, or Bill Wang for thinking this is the best album. It's not my favorite, you know, but I can, I can, listen, let's put it this way. Objectively, I can hear that Pyromania is better than On Through the Night. I like On Through the Night better these days because you know i i really love that early 80s new wave of british heavy metal sound and that album's like not played out for me at all because that was one of the later albums i got high and dry and pyromania i feel they're competitive with each other i feel like either one if you say that is objectively the best death leopard album you're right you know for you now it depends do you lean a little more for to the heavier side or a little more to the popular side and you know and that kind of makes the decision for you i think but i mean yeah pyromania is a perfect album i will agree with you there eric and you know it's possible that it's a perfect album but it's still my third favorite you know what i mean and, i know what you mean yeah yeah you know i listen to this and go yeah there's nothing there's not a bad song on it there's not a bad well there's all there's one thing i don't like about it which was that we'll get, oh, to, we'll get to it I think end. I think you and I might agree on what that is. Yeah, if that, I, yeah, we won't say. In fact, if I tell you where it is, it'll be it'll spoil it <laughs> on the album. <laughs> but there's one thing about this album that I think is kind of a toss off move. Yeah, and you know yeah. what? Too, it's I think too. It's um, a lot of times we prefer a certain album 
because uh, just memories tied to it. And this album, like, I was listening to a lot. I believe it was uh, my junior or senior year of high school, and just I had gotten to this relationship with this girl, Tara, and it was just like a pretty good relationship until it ended. You know, it ended pretty bad, but it was great at the start. And just, you know, things were going pretty good at that time, man, and at the time I was listening to this. So it just brings back some really fucking good memories. Well, I got to tell you, you know, we'll talk about this when we get to Rock of Ages, uh, but yeah, that that brought back some memories too. Listen, but you know, this this the nice thing about this album is it's not just nostalgia. It is a solid fucking pop metal album. I would call this pop metal. You know, it's almost yeah. like its own genre that Def Leppard created with Mutt Lang. Yeah, it's and, not exactly hair metal, but it's not like no. obviously it's obviously not metal. It's just like it's that that bridge. It's kind of like, you know, and I think I can kind of see you also really getting into this because we were just, you know, you were just on this, you know, kick with the Cars, you know. Yeah. And we, you know, just reviewed the Cars album and kind of like how the Cars are kind of like perfect pop new wave or, you know, Duran Duran and Def Leppard is kind of like that where they're just kind of, they're creating these perfect songs, these perfect catchy songs with hooks and it's just, you know, everywhere. Like, every element. You could tell, like, it sounds like Mutt Lang really fucking worked these guys to the bone. That's another thing. And I know ACDC, you know, we did for those about to rock, we salute you. So this kind of makes a lot of sense that we would review that and then review this. Because I feel like the thing ACDC that made them stop working with Mutt Lang after for those about to rock, we salute you. It was like, like... That's it. That's as far as we're going to go in this direction. Like, Night of the Long Knives and Let's Get It Up, like, you know, Put the Finger on You. Like, that's that's as many layered courses as we're going to do, you know? Like, that's it. Like, we're not going to let you push us any more into pop than this. That's as far as we'll go. Yeah. Fuck off, we'll go and do Flick of the Switch now, you know? Like, yeah. like, they, like they said, enough. Whereas Steph Leppard, these are these young, ambitious guys from England. You know, they haven't they haven't hit the big time yet, quite to the same degree that ACDC had. And they're more like, yeah, okay, you can fucking pound us into submission. You know? you can, <laughs> they you took it. They took except for maybe Pete Willis. <laughs> yeah, like, no, keep that strap on away from me, mud. <laughs> Whereas the other guys are like, yeah. We'll do it. We'll st- like Joe Elliott. And hey, listen, it's hard work. Like they'd be like, I'll be in the studio laying down a hundredth vocal line for that course. You know, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll we'll do this. You can fucking work us to the fucking bone because we're hungry. And that's what this album sounds like. It sounds like a young hungry band. I mean, they sounded a little like down high and dry. You know, and now yeah. they're like. Mutt Lang's like, okay, ACDC's gone now. It's just you guys, <laughs> you know? It's just you guys. Are we going to do this or what? Are we going to like compete with Michael Jackson? <laughs> or are you going to compete with Saxon, you know? And, and they're like, no, fucking Michael Jackson. Let's do this. And he fucking works these fucking blokes to the fucking bone. And that and you hear it out of the gate. Rock, rock till you drop sounds almost exhaust, exhausting. It's like, I listen to it, it's like, it's awesome, but it also sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like a lot of work to make a Def Leppard. <laughs> what's Johnny saying in the background? Yeah, what's Johnny saying? <laughs> hey, hey, Johnny. I don't know, he's like... John, yeah, John, something's going on with Johnny. 
No, 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 what's up, what's up, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> at some neighbor or something. <laughs> Are your neighbors playing bang tango again? And you got to yell at them bitch asses? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, I'm just saying Rock Rock Till You Drop sounds like it's an awesome song, but it sounds like a lot of work to make a song like that. <laughs> it's just so layered and produced. Now, get me wrong, it sounds raw next to Hysteria. But next to High and Dry, this sounds like, yeah, these guys really worked hard on this song. And it's good. I'm kind of with Johnny. It's like a mid-tier song, but it, it gets the party going. That's Hell yeah. It. That's what it needs to do. It's rock, rock till you drop. It ain't rocket science. It's it's a party. It's a fucking mid-80s party. It gets the party going. It sounds cool. It's like fucking Mutt Lang. I, I feel like Mutt Lang is the star of this song more than Yeah. Because it just hits that production, you know, and it's, it's still, the beginning. It's the beginning. Yeah, and it still has a little balls to it. It's the beginning it's, of him taking over the sound. Yeah, and it's like it's it's poppy. It's futuristic and poppy like hysteria, but it's still got balls. It still has the high and dry balls to, for those about to rock balls. They're still there. There's still balls. There's still balls involved. So that's <laughs> the thing. Rock, rock sounds like balls, balls. It hits you. And it is like an ACDC song. They were talking about balls a lot. <laughs> and it's funny. ACDC would like look at the lyrics. They go, rock, rock, till you drop. You say, oh, you got to do a little more than that, mate. <laughs> you got to do a little, just a little bit more. <laughs> Add some balls to it. It'll be good. <laughs> anyway, uh, but the main thing about rock, rock, till you drop is the way it sets up the second song. That's the yep. thing. Oh, my you God, know? yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. The second song is so it hits you so perfectly after the first song. But before we... Sounds like we're all probably going to gush on this song. But before, oh, my God. Before this gushathon, let's hear what Johnny Bogan... What he has to say with uh, about Def Leppard's... I would say one of their biggest hits. Probably their second biggest hit after Pour Some Sugar on Me. Should be their biggest hit, because much better than that song, in my opinion. But anyway, what do you think of the biggest hit from this album, Photograph? Perfect song absolutely perfect i mean i i still love the song of this day don't get sick of it um just so great i mean just anthem for the 80s uh i i love the song i i think everything about it's perfect lyrically musically i mean i think this is what mutt lang got white with the band on this album I mean, th this is this is what pop metal sounds like. It's not watered down. Um, you know, it's it's just a great song. Stands the test of time. I mean, everything about it is perfect. It's, it's one of those few songs that really stands the test of, test of time. It's an absolute perfect song. Love it. Love Photograph. Awesome. What do you think, Eric, of Photograph? Oh, oh my God. Everyone stand back because I'm about to gush. This, to me, is just, like, the perfect pop metal song. This song is just, oh, it's just so, it's like candy, man. It's just so infectious. It's so good. It's just, like, it's it's ear candy. Um, you know, it's a song about Marilyn Monroe. You know, you know that if you watch the video. But, see, it's a song about basically, you know, you know, growing up, the, the girls, the beautiful girls in the magazines, you know, the celebrities or starlets or whatever, you know, and you just look at them, you just fantasize about being with them, you know, and or you could relate it to maybe, you know, the, a girl that lives far away that you talk to and you just 
you know, you see this picture, you see this photograph, and you just you just imagine like, oh man, if only I was with this chick, you know, kind of like how uh, uh, what's his name, Kyle Reese felt in the Terminator, when he was staring at that picture of Sarah Connor all the time. But yeah, man, I I love this fucking song. It's just perfectly written. Uh, I remember too, I, I pissed my mom off a lot because I saw the video and Joe does like that Dave Lee Roth jump off the drum riser and does the splits in the air and I kept trying to do that so I kept jumping off the bed. My mom would get so pissed because I make so much noise. Um, but man, it's just such a great song and I actually had that Union Jack shirt. I actually, there's like a, a music store at the mall when I was a kid and they had the Union Jack uh, tank top with the Def Leppard logo like kind of hidden in it. And I actually bought it. And then one time in high school, I was walking to the gas station. I was walking from my house to the gas station. to I was going to buy a Red Bull. And also I was buying some weed from this guy I knew. So I was a bad kid. But uh, I was walking to the gas station. You were a station. good kid. You were a good kid. Yeah, I was a good weed. kid. I was buying weed. I wasn't buying crack. <laughs> I was buying weed. But I'm walking there and I'm wearing this Def Leppard you know, Union Jack shirt. These fucking like, kids who were way older than I was, like probably college kids, like, you know, started, like, turned around, they, like, yelled at me, and, like, were like, USA, bitch, fuck you, and I, I'm just, like, it's a, I'm thinking it's a Def Leppard shirt, they turned around and started, like, following me to this gas station, I had to, like, kind of run, because it was just, like, you know, these guys are chasing me, and it was just the craziest thing, but I did end up getting away from them, I got my Red Bull, and I got my weed, I think I went and played some Def Leppard afterwards, but... What assholes? I mean, oh, yeah, fuck these I mean, guys. I mean, the They're probably U- circle jerking each other afterwards. Fucking I mean, it's the, it's the UK. Come on. Yeah, They're like the UK. They're like fucking with Winston Churchill, bitch. <laughs> you know? Anyway. Uh, I Great story. Great song. I You know, the thing is, yeah, I can't listen to this song without thinking of the video and the Union Jack shirt and Joe Elliott. Great look. They, these guys had style. You know, that's the thing. That's another thing. That's the lyric in the song. Yeah, you know, and that's, you know, it's kind of like Rat, because they both, uh, uh, you know, we talked about this on the Rat episode. There's this Marilyn Monroe uh, fixation. Yeah. That was, if you recall, like the theme of Photograph, the video showed like a Marilyn Monroe type actress and stuff. And, you know, this, like, again, you could hear this kind of glam metal. When I say glam, I mean like glamorous, you know, I don't mean it in disparaging way but it's also pop i love one of my favorite things about this song is i just love that that opening guitar sound it's just like a sound it's just like a chuck up you know what i mean it's just like it's almost like the it, it's similar to like hard day's night that low guitar yeah. sound at the beginning it's just something about it yeah and you know that's like a thing like I, and i don't know who did it it's it, maybe it's pete willis who knows you know whoever did that sound Obviously, it was some sound, and then Mutt Lang, as the genius producer, was like, yeah, let's put that before going into the main riff. There's just something about that cha-chung, and then it goes into... I mean, you know, once it hits the core, that, that riff, man, it's it's perfect. It's, it's a perfect song. And it's one of those songs, yeah, I, it, I don't get... It just never gets played out, no matter... Even though I probably heard it a billion times in my life, dude, I never get sick of it. It's no, just, when it hits I that never get course, sick of it. it's just—it's one of the oh, greatest choruses lo- of all time. And it I love the—I love the lyrics too, man. Just like so wild and free, so far from me. Like, man, it's just so—it's poetry, man. Just what, so beautiful. 
I, I think similar, a little similar to a thing that, and I don't think, I don't like Bob Rock as much, much as uh, Mutt Lang during this period. But Bob Rock, you could tell probably like paid attention to Mutt Lang because he he did, did yeah yeah because he felt like when you listen to the Black Album, there's moments like on the Unforgiven and stuff like during the verses when the guitars kind of kick in, where I kind of hear like kind of this Mutt Lang influence where it's like. He's trying to, Bob Rock is trying to figure out how to make heavy metal poppy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and That's I, yeah, and it's just like, you hear that photograph, like, where there, there's that, like, build up, and then there's that moment right before the chorus, and it's a little like this on Fooling as well, where it gets, like, the guitars actually kind of are sonically very heavy. They're like, like, they're very heavy sounding, but yet it's like bubblegum ear candy. You know yeah, that? it's just like, it's, and dude, like, I mean, this is a song, man, like, even people that, like, specifically chicks that don't like, like, heavy metal music or maybe even hard rock, they love this song. You're the, that Indian girl, uh, fuck it, I'll say her name, Vishu, her name was Vishu. Oh, I, I finally I played, know her name. Yeah, if I know her <laughs> name, but, uh, dude, I played this song for her once, because um, I think I, like... I forget what it was. I quoted some of the lyrics or something because she was looking for some kind of song lyric or something to use for something. And so I gave her like these lyrics. So I was trying to I was trying to swoon her, you know. And uh, she's she's like, "What what song's that from?" And I sent her the link for the video, and she was just like, she was so in love with the song. She's like, "God, I wish someone could write a song like that for me." It was just so beautiful. It's it's a beautiful song, man. Anyone could like. It. And she wasn't even like a heavy metal hard rock fan, man. She liked like top forty shit. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Kind of like the Beatles, you know. It's just, it's a perfect. It's a, it's a. It works both as a metal song and a pop song, like like exactly. real pop, like straight up pop, like Madonna, Lucky Star, perfect kind of pop. And it, it's great. It also, you know, one thing I don't think it's weird in a way. I feel Joe Elliott's an underrated singer because I feel because Def Leppard went so pop later on. Like, people don't want to kind of, I don't know, give him credit or something. But, man, listen to this guy on this album. The same on oh, High and Dry. Amazing. I mean, he's doing Brian Johnson-type shit, but in this, like, poppy metal, you know, pop metal way. He has but, his own twist to it. He has his own twist to it, but you can hear, like, I mean, this guy's, like, he's hitting all these amazing notes. He's doing Brian Johnson and Robert Plant-type stuff, but in this different framework, you know? But he's hitting those kind of notes. And, you know, this is fucking before auto-tune. I mean, yeah, Mutt Lang's pulling out some tricks here and there. But that is Joe Elliott's voice, you know? Yes. It, it, he's He just sounds amazing. He was an amazing singer, you know, especially during this period. And, yeah, Photograph's one of the greatest songs ever. And it, I feel like it's science. It's like kind of like Whitesnake's Still the Night. It's one of those songs that I think is a, a perfect pop metal song that it's obscene not to like. You know, yeah, like, like you don't like life. You don't, you don't like, yeah, you don't like, you don't like having fun at night. You don't like sex. You don't like air. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like photograph for still of the night. So, Johnny, what do you think of? Uh, now we're getting, I guess, uh, one of the heavier. I would say this is one of the heavier songs, although there's still kind of a poppy element. Uh, stage fright. What do you think of stage fright? Oh, I love, I love this song. I mean, this this is great. This is a this is definitely a high and dry holdover from the sound and like the fury. I mean, this is still a new wave of British heavy metal sound. Definitely a top three on the album for me. Great song. Um, 
you know, shorter song, you know, hits hard, uh, perfectly placed on the album. Uh, I love it. Definitely an awesome, awesome track. Um, I think just the whole band right here just comes together. I mean, it's, it still has that new wave of British heavy metal sound. Just outstanding song. Awesome. What do you think, Air? Oh, my God. Uh, it's just an amazing, amazing song. And it's like, yeah, we get like kind of the more traditional hard rock ACDC ish sounding. Fuck, try saying that five times fast. The ACDC sounding song at the beginning. We get the pop metal perfection. And then we get back to like, hey, we're still like, uh, we're still a heavy metal band here. You know, we, we did On Through the Night. We can still fucking kick your ass. They go on the stage right. And man, what a what a killer tune. Uh, just so amazing. If I have one thing to say, though, just one critique, one little one. Uh, the, the chorus, it's just like, I don't know, something about the chorus, I feel it's just missing something. That's the only, like, real complaint I got about it. It's like, something about the chorus, I feel like it's just, it's missing something. It's like, there's... Very minimal. Yeah, it's real minimal, whereas I feel like, I don't know, I feel they could add more to it, but... It's still a great song. You know, it's not like that, that breaks the deal for me. You know, I still think it's a kick-ass song. Uh, definitely a great way, you know, for them to start their live shows. And uh, this, this was the show opener for, like, a long time. So, killer fucking song. Edwin, what do you think of it? Uh, I like it, and I think uh, I like it even more than you because I like that chorus. Actually. All right. That's, yeah, it, it's interesting because that's the thing. This song's really heavy. It's, like, the heaviest I'm looking at this, I mean, depending on what you kind of consider heavy, I mean, it's definitely the most kind of up-tempo rockin' song on the album, I feel. And it does call back high and dry more than a lot of the other songs on the album. So it's definitely one of the harder rockin' ones. I think we can all agree with that. But that chorus, though, it's very poppy. That's the thing. And maybe that's what you don't like, like about it. But, I mean, it's simple, but there's something still very catchy about it. I know I hear it, and it, whenever that chorus hits, it's always, no matter how many times I hear this album, it's always a little bit of a surprise. It's always like, oh, yeah, that's right, that chorus is kind of poppy, <laughs> you know, like because it just doesn't sound like the song would have a poppy chorus. But it works to me. It just adds this other little extra layer that's a Def Leppard thing, you know, Def Leppard slash Mutt Lang thing, where... It should be pointed out that Mutt Lang literally has a co-writing credit for every song on this album. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm not... They, they were collaborators at this point. That's the thing, you know? It's... it's it's there, There's a little more... He's doing a little more than just producing. He is shaping these guys and their sound, and he's utilizing them. But at the same time, like, they're bringing riffs and performing, you know, the certain parts that need to be you know performed so i consider it a collaboration you know even more so people would call like george martin the fifth beetle but you know he didn't ha he didn't share songwriting credits with lennon mccartney but that's also because lennon mccartney you know so fuck imagine if george martin asked that fucking probably stab the guy these are fucking tough <laughs> blokes tough blokes from liverpool def leppard even though they, they they're working class lads they're not from, from good sheffield yeah, they're from a shitty town, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying these guys, they were willing, with the exception of Pete Willis, which is why they shit-canned him. <laughs> these, these guys were willing to do whatever Mutt Lang said. Mutt Lang said, hey, give me co-writing credits on every song. 
you know, even if maybe one of the songs he just fucking turned to knobs. I feel like they just went, okay, whatever. Just happy to be here. Just happy to be out of our shit town. Oh, they, they loved him. <laughs> just happy to be in America banging supermodels. You know, we're just happy. We'll, we'll do what needs to be done. But anyway, stage fright. It's fucking awesome. And yeah, you know, and the thing is, Def Leppard, if you hear, I got the uh, deluxe, you know, remastered edition of this. And do you have that, Johnny? The one that has the live disc? Nah. The live... You not have that. It's awesome. This live concert from the L.A. Forum is... And actually, they didn't open it. They actually opened it for Rock, Rock, Till You Drop, at least on this recording. It's from 1983. It's awesome. It's an awesome live album. I love it. And, and it sounds great. And Def Leppard, they're putting it across. Like, that's the thing. On one hand... Yeah, they're collaborating with their producer, and this is definitely a produced, like, studio creation. But these motherfuckers can put it across live. Like, it sounds really, really, it's raw. It's like you're hearing, like, a raw version of Pyromania. But they're still putting it across live, and, you know, Joe Elliott is still hitting the notes and stuff. So it's impressive. I definitely recommend people get that deluxe edition and listen to the L.A. Forum concert. It sounds great. But anyway, so Johnny Vogan, what do you think of... I mean, they, they call this a power ballot. I don't know. I think that's a little reductive, but it's it's probably the closest thing to kind of a ballad on this album is Too Late for Love. What do you think of Too Late for Love? My favorite track on the album. All right. I love it. I, I think... I don't, I don't really consider it a power ballad. I think it's more of like a mid-tier... It's moody, it's brooding, it builds in tempo. I mean, I, I think it's like almost my, my probably my favorite Def Leppard ballad is Bringing on the Heartbreak, but this would be like 1B. I mean, and, and like you said, I don't even know that it's a ballad because uh, the guitars come in so heavy. Um, it's a great song. It's my it's it's my favorite song on the record. Uh, I I think it's outstanding. I can't believe it's not always in that list. And I think it's just you know such a great song. Um, I think it's them when they're writing pop metal, not to the hysteria end, but more towards like the uh, bring on the heartbreak like. The high and dry end. It's kind of like the perfect blend of everything for Def Leppard. Love Too Late for Love. I think it's just perfect, perfect song. Favorite track on the album. Nice. I'll, I'll take it next because uh, I agree. It, with, it's not my favorite track on the album, but I agree with everything else you said. And yeah, it's kind of, to me, I don't think of it as a power battle, too. It's romantic in a way, but it's like darkly romantic. It's a dark song. It's kind of a. You know, it sounds a little bit like a Dawkins song to me, you know? It's got that vibe, you know, that a lot of Dawkins songs have, where they're kind of... We, we talked about this a lot in the past, but Dawkins has that moody kind of wandering the streets at night kind of sound, you know? Wandering the steamy streets Hell at yeah. night, you know? And Too Late for Love's like that, or you get involved with some dark, sexy woman, you know, late at night, you know, you meet here in a club or a bar and it might lead to might lead to sex or it might lead to you getting stabbed or something but that's what too late for love sounds like to me so you know this ain't that's a chance i'm willing to take yeah you know it's a it's a it's a sexy song it's a dark sexy song 
And Pete Wells also co-wrote this one as well. So there you go. So yeah, and you can hear it has a high and dry sound to it. That's the thing. It has that vibe. It's got that dark kind of hidden in the streets at night vibe to it. I love it. It's um, I don't, it probably maybe I don't know. It probably break my top five. I don't know. It wouldn't break my top three, but it's probably break my top five on this album. It's a fucking. Could have substituted this song for bringing on the heartbreak on high and dry and like. Not miss much. No, actually, I, 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 I love being on the heartbreak. Oh, that song rules. Well, I actually like Too Late for Love a little bit better. That's the but one. They're, you know. they're actually interchangeable. They are. They're, they got that they, that dark, moody vibe. And, you know, that's when, like, ballads had, like, you know, more substance, you know. But even, like, when you were going, like, Alone Again, like, with Dokken, you know, it's a moody song. You know, it's not like the candy-ass stuff you would hear a couple years later from... Bon Jovi and Poison and bands like that, you know. These were like dark, moody songs, you know, written by men with souls, you know. Yeah, you ain't hear no shit about, oh, I wish I seen you blow blow out your birthday candles, baby. Like, you ain't gonna hear none of that bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you think of Too Late for Love, Eric Jordan? Oh, man, so this is a great song. There is a, I have a favorite song on this album, and it, it would probably actually surprise you guys. And it's not this one, but this is a kick-ass song. Uh, it, it fucking rules, man. I, I love it. It's a great fucking just dark ballad. You know, before you know they started writing shitty songs like Hysteria or Love Bites, uh, they wrote badass fucking ballads like this and Bringing On The Heartbreak that, yeah, they're ballads, but they, they have some balls to them, you know. We're going to say balls a lot in this episode, but uh, it's just a fucking cool song. Um, the first time I heard this, you know, I knew about the hits, you know, Fool and Photograph, Rock of Ages, all those songs. I never heard this song because I, I didn't get my hands on a copy of Pyromania until like high school, you know, where I could hear all the songs. But I'm listening to classic rock radio. I'm helping my mom's uh, my mom was dating this douchebag named Rich at the time who I fucking hated Oh, and that guy is such a douchebag. I, I hate fucking that hate that guy. I, I'll beat his ass if I see him. But no, so we're driving. Uh, I was helping him and his uh, mom. I was helping his mom move some stuff. So it was me, him, and his daughter, Danielle. And we um, we were driving to uh, wherever it was to pick up the stuff to help move it, you know. And, you know, she listened – his mom listened to country – and I just I hated like country, you know. I still kind of don't like country music. And this one moment where where this guy Rich had a cool moment. He was like, "Hey, can, can we turn on like some classic rock radio or something for like couple for like couple minutes for for Eric here? One of his only cool moments. So his mom his mom like you know hesitantly put on classic rock radio, and then this song starts playing and. Man, it's just like you ever hear that a song for the first time, especially when you're young. And it's just like it feels like time freezes because it's just such a great fucking song. It just it mesmerizes you. This is one of those songs, man. It just blew me away. Um, and this follows. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna coin a new phrase today. It's called the Dio rule, where you can write lyrics that don't make any fucking sense, but because they sound so damn cool. They work, and I love the lyrics in the song. Like, you know, there's a lady over there. She's acting pretty cool. 
But when it comes to playing life, she always plays the fool. Shit like that. She's like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck he's saying, but god damn, it sounds cool. It's just, god, this song just blows me away. Joe Elliott's voice is on fire on this one. I I'm love fired. this fucking song. Great, great performance. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's got passion, you know? That's the thing. Uh, it's great. Now, moving on, though, what do you think, Johnny Vogan, of Die Hard, The Hunter? Oh, shit, we lost it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> was, don't bond Scott on us. <laughs> no, no. Solid track. Um, lyrically, I think it's kind of funky. I mean, it, it's, it's a good song. like the music. I mean, I think it's kind of mid, mid, mid to low tier on the album for me. Um, I think it, 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 it trends more in the direction they're going. For me than where I wanted them to be, but still it's, it's a decent song. I mean, not horrible, not great, but probably mid-tier on the album as far as right. I yeah. I, I, I think mid-tier too, but a stronger mid-tier for me. I do like this song a lot. It, I mean, it is popular, but I don't know, it's we it's kind of weirder weirder than anything you would have on his area. Like there's something about it. It's a little more new wavy in a way. Uh, you know, it has the synths and it has this kind of thumping, kind of funky beat. It's a little funky and it's just I don't know. It's really not like anything that would be on any Def Leppard album before or after. I think there's just something very '83 about it, you know. And I dig it. And I dig I dig the title. I like that. The hunter's not in parentheses, which is good, and I don't, maybe because of the Die Hard thing it may, in the building, it make this is a song that makes me think of the album cover. Although we didn't mention, um, no, actually we didn't hit it yet. There, there is a song that actually does reference the title, but we we didn't get there yet. Um, but this is a song that makes me think of the album cover for whatever reason. But um, yeah, it, it's a cool song. I dig it. It's it's. It's a it's a unique song. It definitely sounds like a lot of Mutt Lang influence on this one. But I dig Die Hard, The Hunter. It's a good way to wrap up the first side, you know, set you up for the next side. What do you think, Eric? Oh my God, Die Hard, The Hunter. Holy shit! Not not my favorite song on the album, but it is an amazing song. This song fucking rules. This is another one where man, I just have a memory of the first time I heard it. Uh, you know, I just started hanging out with my friend Nick Mills. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Nick Mills, aka Dick Pills. Um, me and him first, me and him started hanging out in high school. Uh, we had a band together, and uh, one of those days where I spent the night at his house, he had borrowed me the CD, and that was the first time I had heard this. Uh, I had that album in its entirety. Um, you know, I went through his CD collection. He had this one. I'm like, oh, can I borrow that so I can, you know, put it onto my my iPod? And he was like, yeah. So we're hanging out at his place one day. Uh, we wake up. We're getting ready to, you know, we're probably going to go pick up our friend and, like, go to Guitar Center, the usual stuff that we did. And he's like, hey, dude, like, listen to this. And he puts in the CD, and I didn't know what it was at first. And uh, also I see, like, the Pyromania CD. So I'm like, all right, he's playing something from Pyromania. Hear all the noises, like the the air raid siren, all these, like, jets and shit. And it sounds like something from the fucking Terminator or whatever. And the song kicks in. I'm just like, you know, it, it just blew me away, man. I'm like, it was so heavy, 
but like also so like catchy. You know, again, Def Leppard, man, they like they're doing these like like real heavy songs, but also they're like real light with some pop sensibilities and all these hooks, and it just blends so effortlessly. Um, it's such a cool song. The live version from In the Round is even better. I mean, it's a kick-ass song. Probably, it's tied with, like, uh, Stage Fright as maybe the most metal-sounding song on the album. And, uh, man, I, just, I, I can never stop listening to this song. It's just phenomenal. And I love the lyrics, because the lyrics remind me of uh, First Blood. I know, you, Edwin, you're talking about, you know, Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, 80s action movies. Uh, lyrically, it, it sounds a lot like, uh, reminds me a lot of uh, First Blood. First, yeah, it's a, also it makes me think of Commando. Uh, it, it has, oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it, it's got a Commando vibe. It definitely, Die Hard the Hunter does make it, this in the album cover. It just feels like this would be a great song to have in an action film. Like, oh, that. agreed. That, that'd be a bad name for uh, for an action movie. Is uh, Die Hard the Hunter? Yeah, it's too bad. Oh, well, Die Hard. There was already Die Hard. But what they should have done, one of the Die Hard sequels, should have been called Die Hard the Hunter. Well, you never know. It could happen. Bruce Willis is still alive. Uh yeah he you know, he's he's got dementia right now I oh fuck I forgot about that God yeah damn. so that's it and you can't have Die Hard about Bruce Willis it's impossible yeah you can't you can't you can't It'd be bullshit they they're gonna try they'll try at some point it's like you know but you can't you can't do it anyway let's flip this shit over to side two with I would say the third biggest song from this album and a song that I recall seeing a lot on Headbangers Ball. Back in the day, but let's hear what Johnny Vogan thinks of fooling. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny, what do you think of fooling? Are you still with us? Johnny, yeah. are you still with us? I'm thinking long and hard because I'm not, <laughs> not trying to be as hard on this song as I would on Rock of Ages because I don't want to guess I'm giving it away, but like, yeah. As far as like, like songs and pop songs that came out, like I'll take most of the hysteria singles over them. Really? Oh my god! Really? Really? That's a surprise. That's the shocker of the evening. Yeah, not 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 a huge fan of the song. I just never got into it. Just think pretty basic, you know. Chorus is is not strong. No, I, I, I'm just not a fan. I, I, I just don't feel like it's a solid song, you know. But Johnny, not, they're, they're going fooling. Yeah, they're stuttering. <laughs> yeah. It's a hook. That's a hook. Nah, never. They, there's some guy. Uh, never <laughs> caught me with that hook. Let me tell you, never. Wait. When they when Mutt Lang said, "Hey, try try stuttering," and then he went fool it. He's like, "That's it, hit record, boom, that's a hit record, Johnny. That's why you're not a record producer." Absolutely. <laughs> Johnny Bogan would say, "Too basic, try again," <laughs> and then they would they wouldn't have their third biggest hit on the album. It was up to Johnny Bogan. <laughs> He'd say, "Oh, that too late." Too late for love. That now that's where it's at. Love too late for love, but not a fan of this song or the one that follows. Just oh god! Up. Oh my god! That's my take. Okay, I like it. I like I like your hot take, Johnny Bogan. 
All right. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take Fuller next. Okay, Fuller. Oh, all right. Not, not one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, I'm, I'm kind. Of, I'm, I feel like I'll be somewhere in between Eric and Johnny on this one. It, it's a good song though. I do like it. I definitely like it better than Johnny. Um, it's you know I like the moody acoustic guitar, the the verses. You know I always like that kind of dark moody mid '80s thing that you know you would also hear from like Dokken or Cinderella and stuff like that. I like that vibe. I like that vibe. I like you know I I like the f- f- fooling and you know especially the uh, actually my favorite part is probably the where it gets kind of heavy that bridge you know one of these heavy bridges that I was talking about before with photograph that that is anyone out there or whatever the fuck he's singing yeah but he's singing really high pitch Joe Elliott's really hitting the vocals high there I always really like that part of the song but you know the thing that I really appreciated about this song though is um Johnny have you seen the video for this like in recent years no I have not yeah watch it on YouTube it's like Eric it's like when you were telling me about the Smashing Pumpkins today yeah like, I hadn't watched that video in a long time, so I was just like, oh, you know, it's just some twee video. I didn't really remember it. And then after you talked it up, I watched it again and was like, oh, my God, it's a fucking crazy psychedelic orgy. He's right. <laughs> well, Fooling's a little like that. It's a video where it seemed normal in the 80s. <laughs> like, when I was a little kid and I watched it in the 80s, it just seemed like another video. But I'm watching it now. It's like fucking, uh, you know... Queen of the Reich, you know, it's. I don't even remember seeing that. I don't. That's a video I don't even really remember. Yeah, uh, go on YouTube, watch Fullin. It's fucking crazy. It's oh like, my god, yeah. It's like a fucking science. Fi- it's like one of the heavy metal, like graphic novels, like comic book, you know, movie thing come to life. Like Jelly Elliott's like strapped. It's pervy too. He's like strapped <laughs> to this futuristic thing it's like i don't know it's like a pyramid or something it's like a pyramid yeah it's like strapped down to it and then there's all these skeletons floating around and a lot of skulls yeah a lot of skulls and there's this witchy lady that comes involved in the middle section of the song skulls and witchy ladies are cool sounds cool yeah oh no you'd like this this video might make you like the song more it's like that kind of video and and i'm watching this video (laughs) afternoon i'm like god damn i do not remember this video being so fucking crazy and awesome yeah <laughs> that just tells you what the 80s was like you're a little kid you watch this stuff and went yeah it's just another video <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man this video is fucking crazy i loved it it was like oh god damn it what the fuck happened to death <laughs> they weren't making videos like this in hysteria <laughs> yeah their videos in hysteria <laughs> sucked okay <laughs> it's uh trust me johnny you'll like this video it's great <laughs> fucking crazy so um so good song great video what do you think eric holy shit it's funny you say that because in my notes i'm like the best Def leopard video ever <laughs> oh my god the video is just like so cool um man what happened to Def leopard videos they used to be so cool uh, yeah, but yeah, he's like strapped down to this like uh, this pyramid thing, and there's all these skulls around, and there's fire and explosions. I think he burned his hair filming this video from one of the explosions. Um, God, and it's a great song too, man. I love fooling. I love the like you know the the acoustic like soft opening. You know, you got Steve Clark. You know, once it gets heavy, he takes that acoustic guitar and he throws that shit. He's like, fuck this, get this out of my face. And then they start, <laughs> they start kicking ass, man. 
Oh, the song's just so cool. It's just so hooky. It's uh, it's so catchy. It's catchier than fucking uh, than fucking COVID. My God. <laughs> okay, I I, I want to start off the next one because go, go for it. Go for it. Because I already know what Johnny thinks, and I already know what you think. So so but do you though? I I got a feeling, but I, <laughs> let's see. But I, I have a feeling that you know maybe I'll be wrong. But I want to put a little framework to Rock of Ages. A, I am very nostalgic for this song because, like I said, I used to hear I used to hear this song a lot in the bowling alley. You know, we had an, it one of those '80s bowling alleys had an arcade. You know, there's a little arcade. I would play like you know nice. Pac-Man or Centipede or whatever. So no roller rink. No, that was a little that 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 was a little before my time. I think that's uh, that's more of a '70s thing. Yeah. It, it, but anyway, the uh, '80s was bowling and arcades and Def Leppard, you know. So, and I remember Rock Age is being played at this bowling alley a lot. So it just it brings back memories. And this this is a cool video too. Not quite as cool as Fooling, but there's some cool like dark metal guys in like fucking. Uh, they they look a little like the Testament Soul Black guys, like they you know they got the hoods and shit. And Joe Elliott's got this fucking big sword, you know. So there's a little bit of like a power metal thing going on in the video. Okay, but the song. Remember, there was this period. Uh, I know you're too young to remember this, Eric. You might not remember this. Johnny will remember. Remember like the maxi singles, like Aerosmith would have maxi singles and stuff, where there was like the the club mix. There was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I know about that. Yeah, <laughs> I always hated that shit. There was always like, cl- like the Aerosmith, the other side, club mix. I was like, oh shit, I don't want fucking. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got twenty minute version. And it's just like, it's just like the song, but they take out Joey Kramer and replace it with like a drum machine, you know. And yeah. It's, it just sounds like shit, you know. Anyway, in a lot of ways, listen, I, 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 I have mixed feelings about this song. That's why I wanted to start it off. <laughs> um, I hear this song and I go, it's a catchy song. There's no denying it. I can understand why it's the second biggest hit from the album. I can see why this crossed over to the pop crowd. I, I do like it. I don't dislike the song. But at the same time, this is definitely the most hysteria-ish song on the album because it's really setting up like we're pop. Like this is a this is essentially a dance song. I was listening to this and I said, you know, Rock of Ages is a dance song. With it's like the club mix. It's the club mix, but it's actually on the album. The dance mix is on the album instead of on the maxi single. And but it's catchy. It's fun. It's a fun dance song. Um, uh, I get like, is Rick Allen even playing on this? I don't know. I mean, you know, you can't you can't entirely blame his arm, you know, not being around anymore. For the reason why they want robo drums, because it sounds like robo drumming was coming off, coming in here. You know, it's like it, if anything, it's like they, 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 maybe, maybe they made him lose his arm. Like they caused the accident to happen because they, because <laughs> they wanted more hits like Rock of Ages. <laughs> it's like if only Rick Allen didn't have both arms, we could have more dance songs. <laughs> So maybe they they, they they fucked up. They the were brakes. the ones driving that uh, BMW. They, 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 they fucked up his brakes. They cut the brakes. Yeah. <laughs> Mott Lang cut the brakes so he can have a bunch of club hits. <laughs> so just a theory, just a theory. I'm putting it out there. But anyway, so Rock of Ages. It's a groovy dance tune with some cool metal moments thrown into the club mix. It's it's 
it's a weird song. It's a song that can only kind of exist in the 80s. And that's probably the best thing about it, I will say. There's just something about it where it's like that kitchen sink moment where it's just like, it's fucking pop, it's dance, it's metal, it's everything. Come on, kids, let's dance to it. What do you think, Johnny Vogan? What do you think of Rock of Ages? I think it's lame. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think, like, what you just described to me is Dance in the Streets by Van Halen. And Rock of Ages is not that. It's, it's just... I just, I could never, I could never get into it. The chorus, the intro, everything was just so. And I usually usually get into this type of thing. You know, I'm usually into, like, I could listen to Poison and Bon Jovi, like, you know, I'm a Hysteria fan. Like, Rock of Ages, I just can't do it. Can't do it. So, is it better than the Mick Jagger, David Bowie dancing in the streets? Oh, that's pretty bad. <laughs> Johnny, has to think about that. Was <laughs> thinking for a minute. Thinking for a minute. <laughs> it's, it's, is it better than that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just, just turns me off right away. Ooh, you really don't like the song. No, I'm not a Rock of Ages fan at all. Never have been. Even when I was a kid, never. I always hated it. Always have not been a fan. Wow, that's a big shocker. I, I, I didn't think it was going to be your favorite song, but I didn't think you'd hate it. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I am not a fan at all. One of my least favorite tracks on the album by far. There you go. So, Eric, what do you think of Rock of Ages? All right. amazing song not my favorite though my favorite still not hasn't come up yet but man rock of ages i fucking love this song i never get sick of this shit (laughs) oh my god uh god just rock of ages man this song rules um when i saw that movie hysteria the deaf leopard story they use this at the beginning because they kind of show rick allen in the car and he's like He's racing with that guy in the BMW, and this song's playing. He fucking crashes. I'll tell you what. If you're going to crash your fucking car, this is the song to do it to. Like, if you're going to drag race and crash your car, you got to be playing Rock of Fucking Ages. And every time this song comes on... Are you serious now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm serious. Like, dude, One more time. When this song... Like, dude, if I'm driving and this song comes on, like, shuffle or whatever, I do... I slam my foot to the to the gas when this song comes on. So they're kind of making it. it sound like it's fun and cool that Rick Allen got into an accident and lost his arm by using this song. I'm not saying song. that. I'm not supporting. I'm not condoning no, I'm just, driving. I'm saying the song does. The song, like, it does, <laughs> like, it makes me want to drive fast in the same way that Pour Some Sugar On Me makes, like, white chicks want to take off their clothes and, like, have sex with the nearest guy. It's just, it, oh, this song just rules, man. It's all right to make Rick Allen lost his arm jokes because he's very, very, very rich. Just keep that in mind, everyone. That's the thing. It's all right. It's all right because even though he lost his arm, he still has slept with many beautiful women and he lives in a mansion. All right. Yep. So keep, keep that in mind. Like, there's a lot of people that have two arms that haven't fucked supermodels and don't live in mansions. So, you know, believe me, I'm sure there's times with Rick Allen, even when he has those, like, phantom arm moments, like, oh, shit, I don't have an arm. 
I'm sure he still thinks the next thought. After the first thought, like, oh, shit, I don't have an arm. His second thought is, oh, but I'm fucking living in a mansion and fucking supermodel. So it's all right. So don't cry for Rick Allen. He's all right. He even knew it. You know, when he was dragging himself through that field uh, after the accident, and he found some British, like, farmer guy, and he grabbed him. Do you know what he said? Do you remember this? I think I told you this before, Eric. But he grabbed a guy. True story. He said, get help. I'm the drummer from Def Leppard. Yeah, I'm a famous <laughs> drummer. <laughs> hey, oh, my God. Are, oh, and this... And they, they, and this they didn't get the arm back on, but they did save his life, so... Yeah, yeah. Oh, and this video, too. I love this video just as much as uh, as Fool and... It you is got Joe Elliott with the ridiculously big Excalibur sword. Like, comically <laughs> big. Yeah. Uh, and this one, this is a great video. I actually, I used to wear my, uh, I used to wear a bandana around my neck like Joe Elliott does in this video. Um, I, that's kind of one of the reasons I was able to get that chick, Tara. Tara. I'll, I'll say her name too, fuck it. I was dating Tara when I was listening to sound the most, like in high school. And uh, yeah, I used to wear my bandana like that and she liked it. It makes me think of He-Man, maybe because I was literally playing with He-Man when this song was Oh, out. yeah, because you're like a, a real little kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was high <laughs> in elementary school. <laughs> I love your voice cracked when you said, or went high when you said that, like, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I became Kevin Arnold in the Wonder Years. <laughs> yeah, I was a little kid. Yeah, I came back. It makes me think of that. That's the thing. When I hear Rock of Ages, I think of, like, I'm a little junior bowler play you know and playing like i got my he-man action figures <laughs> and, and like joe elliott had a sword like he-man except for he wasn't ripped and big like he-man was you know he was a skinny british guy so that's another reason why the sword looks so big because he was a skinny british guy but it, it, yeah it makes me think of he-man and thanks dance mixes and joe elliott you know them you know making him uh you know, well, let's just say this. Listen, I'm just saying it all worked out for everyone, except for, I mean, maybe, well, no, I mean, maybe not Pete Wilson, Steve Clark, but everyone else in Def Leppard's doing fine. So don't feel bad. Don't feel bad for Joe, uh, for any of these motherfuckers. They're rich. Never feel bad for rich people. That's just what I said. Exactly. Yeah, yeah fuck them. And they're, they're rich. They're better people than Mountain Crew, too. I agree. They are way better people than Motley Crew. Motley Crew are, are scumbags. Well, yeah, and they, I will say this. Hey, this is the thing. This guy lost his arm, and they kept him in the band. That says a lot about Def Leppard. I mean, even though you know, I, I'm not a fan of their later stuff, but I will say that, man. They stuck by their brother. They didn't abandon him. They they let him relearn the fucking drums. Because, I mean, between this album and Hysteria, like it, that was a long fucking time that they had to wait. They had to wait for him to relearn drums and all this and that. It's like... That's a true testament to their fucking character, man. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, they had this back. I mean, God, some bands, if, if a drummer just talks to them the wrong way, they get fired. Yeah. <laughs> like, look at Peter Chris. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but, you yeah, know, they you know, Def Leppard. He wrote every, he wrote every lick? Well, he didn't. Yeah, well, yeah. Lick up the girls, girls, girls. But then all of a sudden they said, well. Although. I he looks fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, he looks fucked up. We'll take him out again. There was... No, we need some more publicity. Cash him. Cash him in. We'll bring in John Five. Yeah, I mean, it's a, Because, I don't know. It's just like... 
I guess they figured the girl, the women, I said girls, they, they, the aging soccer moms that are in the Motley Crue audience, they don't give a fuck about the, the one guy they didn't want to fuck anyway. That, that's how they're thinking. They're thinking, oh, they're replacing the ugly guy, some other guy. They don't care as long as they see, even though Vince Neil's fucking fat, he's still Vince Neil, and they still have these fantasies of what he looked like when he wasn't fat. And, and Tommy and Nikki, they're old dudes, and they're all, you know, kind of, you know, I, you know, I think they look weird. But they're kind of hanging in there. Yeah, yeah, you know, so they're, they're thrilled. They don't care. And that's pretty much what they're playing to now. I will say this about Def Leppard, though. They, I'll say this. They, they, will, they will shit-can you, though, and not have loyalty if you're going against Mutt Lang, though. Oh yeah, <laughs> the almighty Mutt Lang, you, you get fucked. You know that's the one thing. You know Rick Al, like yeah, they'll stand by their bloke because their bloke, as soon as they visited him in the hospital, you know he's missing an arm, and they're probably all standing by him saying, okay, you're missing an arm and you're a drummer. This might be a problem. And then Rick Allen said, no, it's not because I'm all for this fucking electro drum club shit that Mutt Lang wants us to do. <laughs> And then they went, really? He goes, yeah, I'm totally for it. I don't care. Whatever. And they were like, okay, mate, we got your back. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just what it took. That's what it takes for Def Leppard to have your back, to be serving Mutt Lang. So that's my opinion anyway. I could well, be. Know, I'll, 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 I'm going to chime in now and be honest. You can see why in worldwide Def Leppard Motley Crue tour, now it's Alice Cooper. Listen. They were never the greatest musicians in the world. I'm half a fan. But, I mean, <laughs> looked at any YouTube videos. Poison Blue fucking Motley Crue and Def Leppard off the stage every fucking night they played. Because Brad Michaels is in shape and could sing, and the rest of the fucking members of Poison were in shape and could play. And the other dudes are just old, out of shape, and couldn't hack it. Well, Brett Michaels has talent, man. You, all those weird sound effects he makes with his voice. Yeah, and, and, uh, I heard that everyone says that. That's everyone. The general consensus was that Poison brought all the energy and enthusiasm. And I'm not. Yeah. A, yeah. Not, not, like, yeah. Did. It was obvious. Man. They didn't even. They didn't even hide. Yeah, I remember that one time you, you, you had this one post, Johnny, that was hilarious. Uh, this was with uh, your ex, I believe, but it's like uh, said, uh, do you want to go see Vince Neil live? <laughs> and you're, and you're, you're someone who was a fan, you know, a fan of his earlier work. You said, no, no he's fat and can't sing. That was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like a very simple declarative statement. Hey, yes. man, Big Mac 103. <laughs> But hey, that guy fills a stadium, even though he's fat and can't sing. You know, it's amazing. It's the amazing. He fills a stadium, then he fills his stomach with KFC. <laughs> oh, no. oh, oh, Lord. All right, where are we? Let's get back. Let's get back to Pyromania. Okay. So, oh, Rock of Ages. Yeah, okay, makes sense that that's the song that got us off track. <laughs> okay, hey, but I want to take this song. All right, because here we go. This is a song, I didn't realize this until tonight, but after drink, drinking heavily and listening to this album two times in a row, I've come to the conclusion that Coming Under Fire is my favorite song on this album. It's, it's kind of a perfect song. It's a song that 
you didn't play out when you were younger. It's just kind of a deep, you know, it's a deep track. It's not one of the songs that first hits you, but it's one of those songs that comes in handy later on when you got to listen to Pyromania again. <laughs> and there's this, it's dark, it's kind of meaty. It's another song that sounds a little like it could have been on high and dry, so maybe that's why I like it. It's Pete Wills co-wrote it, so, you know, it's got a little of that magic there. And I, I love how it kind of builds up, and there's this great moment when the um, second verse, when they get into the second verse, and the guitars start playing heavier, and they got kind of a Led Zeppelin, almost a little bit of a cashmere kind of vibe to it. You know, it's a start. You can actually hear a lot of Zeppelin throughout Led Zeppelin. Uh, I mean, throughout uh, Def Leppard. But this song, there's just something about it. And the, the vocals, like, you know, they got the, the gang vocals, but they're not as overproduced as they are on some of the other tracks. Again, makes you think of how High and Dry was produced. It, it's awesome song. This is like, when I was listening to Coming Under Fire, it's like, yeah, this is, is exactly the kind of song I want to hear from Def Leppard. And it kind of reminded me of why I love High and Dry so much, but also made me think that there was still a hangover. There were still a few songs like that on this album. So it, it's an awesome song. It's just an awesome, catchy, I would call this melodic metal. Like Photograph is pop metal. This is melodic metal. And it was it's a great song. My favorite song on the album. What do you think, Johnny Vogan, of Coming Under Fire? Everything that you said, second favorite song on the album, could have fit right into High and Dry. I probably would have placed it higher than some High and Dry song, personally, um, if, if it was on that album. I, I think it just fits right into that vibe. Everything you said. Uh, second favorite song was Behind Too Late for Love for me. Um, yeah, it just... It just hits every nail you had every every nail on the head that you said um, awesome yeah second favorite song on the album for me. you do see I'm looking at this you like all the songs that Pete Wills co-wrote the most yeah yeah so that makes sense yeah so Eric what do you think of coming under fire oh man you know this is the these last three songs are definitely major deep cuts that i feel more people should know about and this one fucking rules but it's not my favorite song yet we still have not gotten wow. to my favorite song i thought this might be I, I had you fooled there for a second but man but you, what you, you, this, i love it I love it does it. pick up i gotta tell you i was thinking the same thing these last three tracks this is kind of where the album kind of really gets into something a little bit better i think you know yeah but man what what a deep cut you know and it's like these are the tracks that really like make this album stand out because you got your hit singles that are really fun really hook driven but it's these songs that are like the glue that holds everything together um just you know what an amazing song uh some uh, some more cool lyrics man like slow and steady never lost the race don't stop running i'm a fool for the chase play the game surrender to me baby i don't want to fake it Oh, and just the the guitar solo in this song too, just fucking smokes. And that Edwin, who does the solo in this song? Um, 
I, do you do you even know or I I don't know. It's obviously yeah, it's, me either. But man, whoever yeah. did it, man, kicks ass. Uh, it, it, it's wait, wait, hold on. Actually, I do know. Wikipedia will tell me because they oh, tell they, they, they say which ones Phil Collins does. So if it's not Phil Collins, it means it's Steve Clark by default. So let's see. This they say track seven and ten. Let me go up. Wait, we're gonna get to the Steve Clark. There you go. Because it's not Phil Collins. Oh, it, nice. Steve Clark. Steve Clark, man, he rules. He makes sense. That's why. Most were probably the most metal. Yeah, that's um, what makes sense. As, it makes sense as Steve Clark. Yeah, that's yeah. why it has, it has that high, invo- high and dry vibe because they're the two guitarists on it. It's actually Pete and Steve. So there you go. Yeah, it just, uh, man, what a great deep cut, man. You know, just, and Joe Elliott's voice, too, man. He is just on fire on this song. I mean, this whole album, his voice is just at, at peak performance, but especially on this song. Awesome. Okay, so we're moving on to action, not words. What do you think of action, not words, Johnny Vogan? Uh, mid tier for me. I mean, not great, I mean, not terrible. Uh, woman level on Hysteria. I mean, you know, be better on a later album, but on this album, you know, mint your song. I mean, solid, but not not spectacular. All right, I I used to think the way you thought. Tonight, I did get more into it. I I don't think it's as great as Coming Under Fire and a couple other songs, but. I, I really was getting into it tonight. Like, I was listening to it. It's, it's kind of ACDC-ish. It's just a kind of a rock and straight-up song. And, you know, I found it really catchy and fun. And, again, I, I wouldn't say necessarily High and Dry. It doesn't have kind of that darkness that some of the songs on High and Dry has. But, yeah, it's not like a song they would do ever again after this album. You know, it's, it's just a good hard rock song. It's catchy. I dig it. It's a, it's a good second to last track, you know, where it's just like a good rocker, and I dig it. it it's a, I would say it's a strong mid-tier song for me. That's how I felt about Action Not Words. What do you think, Eric? Action Not Words. Favorite song off the fucking album. <laughs> I, oh my god, I love this goddamn song. And it's my second favorite Def Leppard song of all time. Wow! I like, the only other song I like better than it is Lady Strange. That's my number one. I got you there. Actually, Johnny might think that too. What, what's your that's favorite song? Number one. Yes. Yeah, All right. I'll three Ladies, agree on that. Yeah, Lady Strange is my favorite too. So there oh, yeah. Science. Lady Science, maybe. Lady Strange got, is guys, Steph Leppard song. Guys with big dicks love Lady Strange. So there we that's go. Right. <laughs> it is a fact. There that's you go. That's a fact, baby. <laughs> yeah, man. I we, love Action Not Words, man. This wow. song, it rules, man. I just. I love it so much, and it gets better every time I hear it. And it's very ACDC sounding. Uh, I, I, I just love it, man. It's uh, my favorite lyric is "I'll be the hero, you'll be the star with your wine and your caviar." No audition, a starring role. I'll be Bogart, and you'll be Monroe again with the Marilyn Monroe references, yeah, man. It's sexy. That's a sexy line, man. That's like you know, chicks would love that shit. You know, chicks eat that stuff up. It's just so great. Um, yeah, man, it's just a fun, happy, like, song that just, you know, it's a sexy song, too, you know, lyrically, you know, just, uh, 
trying to, you know, trying to win over this chick, you know, and just you write these amazing lyrics that just a girl would melt over. I need uh, to revisit this one because I don't think I've, I've put my whole in this. Oh, it, it's great, man. And also, too, for uh, Steel Panther fans, Steel Panther, they do a cover of, kind of a cover of this song, but with different lyrics called I Want Pussy. And if we're, we're talking about the song right now, uh, I'll probably, I'll get that off YouTube and I'll put it underneath the music so you can hear their version as well. But yeah, they there's Steel Panther does a version of the song where they change the lyrics and it's called I Want Pussy. It's uh, it's a funny song. You know, I'm, I gotta say, I really did enjoy listening to it tonight. So it's possible that this, this might go up a little on my ranking. I'm just saying, it is a pretty fun rocking song. I think me and Johnny will both be listening to this. Yeah, I, yeah, I like that. Also, I'm looking at the the way they write the title. I like it's actually action with an exclamation point, not words. I, don't know, I think that's cool. I like that better than a fucking parentheses. Fucking parentheses. That's fucking nerd shit. An exclamation point. That's some fucking shit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Action, not words. Yeah, it's a cool song. And, but okay, so let's talk about... There's this guy named Billy. Uh, maybe he's Billy the Kid. Uh, Billy's got a gun. Johnny. Johnny, what do you think of Billy and his gun that he's got? What do you think of this? <laughs> Solitude. Um, probably my fourth favorite on the album. I think it's a good song, good story to tell. Um, musically great. Good lyrics. I mean, I, I don't know who contributed to it, but I would be interested to know because I, I definitely think it's a solid, like, very good album track. Um, Definitely would be absolutely one of the best songs on better songs on Hysteria, but kind of get lost in, in the shuffle of a lot of great songs on this album. But um, definitely like a, a, a top song on the album for me, and, and a great song to close the album out too. Strong, you know, both a solid album out with a strong song like this. So that, that's my opinion on that. Well, there it's interesting. You're very consistent because this is another co-written by Pete Will's song. So you definitely have a preference to all the songs that he co-wrote, so that makes sense. I really like this song, too. It's a really good song. It's kind of like the Die Hard of the Hunter for this side. It's a little darker. It's a little heavier than that one, but kind of similar in a way. It's got a little touch of a mid-'80s new wave vibe, even though it's metal, pop metal, whatever you want to fucking call it. I call it rock and roll. But I dig it. It's it's a really cool song. The way it kind of builds up, and it's it's a great way to take it out. But yeah, I mean, it's it, it almost like in a lot of ways I realize like kind of similar to for those about to rock. And this is one thing I don't think I said about for those about to rock. But they're, they're kind of both like action movie soundtracks in a way. You know, I did mention that there was a John Carpenter kind of vibe to for those about to rock. Like action movie John Carpenter, like uh, you know, Big Trouble and and Escape from New York and They Live, you know, more than the horror side. But what I'm saying is like Billy's Got a Gun has a kind of '80s action movie vibe as well, you know. It's like the showdown, you know. This is the showdown at the end, you know. They're kind of referencing the old West, I think. And 
it's again like a song you won't ever hear again like they wouldn't you know they wouldn't do songs quite like this again like sonically yeah you could hear some of the blueprints of hysteria hysteria uh from this song but you know it just wouldn't be this ballsy you know as this song you know this man music you know women could dig it but most of the women this would not be their favorite track on the album you know this this is like one for the guys and it's a cool tune and it's a great way to wrap up the album we will talk about the coda that bullshit at the end after this song after we're done talking about this song but anyway eric what do you think of billy's got a gun this is the one part right i guess i'd be kind of the bad guy because i i'm not the biggest fan of this song um, I don't, I don't really hate it because there are like some parts of it that I do like that I do enjoy, but overall I'm not the biggest fan of this song, and I feel it's kind of a, I just feel like it's kind of a weak way to end the album. Uh, it's kind of like uh, you know Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath, where I think it's such a perfect album, but then the last song kind of oh know, doesn't do much for me. <laughs> what the fuck I, did I you just got- say? Lonely is the word. Just never lonely in the is I've the tried word. So hard too. I, it does nothing for me. Oh my god! You know you're too young. You haven't been through <laughs> life. You know this is brought. You know Johnny Eric's only 29 years old. 29. I'm a I'm a baby. Yeah, I mean he's a little older than the women <laughs> that we date, but he, <laughs> but he's still young. He's younger than us. That's my point. So you haven't felt pain yet. When you feel... No, I felt some pain, man. You you know what? I'm going through some shit right now. Yeah, I know, but you got pain. Like, I got... You got pain, but you got 20-something pain where you know you could resurrect and rebuild your life. If you're not looking at... <laughs> thinking, oh, shit, it's halfway over. <laughs> I'm not... Yeah, you know, I'm not staring down the barrel yet. That's what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> when you are, then you might appreciate, you know, Lonely Authority a little more. And that... But, <laughs> Tony Iommi's greatest guitar solo, in my opinion. It's amazing. Uh, no, I think he's done better. I think he's done better. But but Billy's got a gun. We'll talk about Billy's got a gun. I just, I, hey, Billy's got a gun. You could fucking throw that in the trash. <laughs> Even though I like the song, I won't bat an eyelid. But that other statement you made is fucking crazy. <laughs> sorry. Oh, but... Sorry. Just, I'm Billy's... sorry. Let me just have a drink. <laughs> But man, Billy's got a gun. It just uh, it does nothing for me. There's there's parts of it I do like, but then there's parts of it where it just sounds like some bad lover boy. And just I don't know. I feel like maybe if they worked on it a little bit longer, it could have been better. Uh, for me, if you want to hear a song about a, a guy named Billy who's like got a gun and causing trouble, I'd say listen to the Blue Murder song, Billy. Uh, I think that's a lot better. Uh, that, that, but yeah, that's a pretty good song. I got that. I guess I do agree with that. Yeah, I guess I'll talk about. I'll lead off into talking <laughs> about the the coda because at the very end it ends with an electronic drum solo. So I, I don't know, Edwin. I think you're onto something. I think they they set that up. They set that <laughs> shit up. Like, yeah, I started. Breaks. They yeah. cut Rick Allen's brakes and took I, his arm from him. I think they should look into this. I I, I think the more. I'm talking about it and thinking about it. Yeah, this this is pretty suspicious. Well, well you know what happened? Uh, Rick Allen's uh, left arm was talking shit about Mutt Lang, and Rick Allen's like, oh, hey, I, I, was, I didn't say anything. It was him. It was my left arm. And, and they just like, oh, the arm's got to go. Yeah, Rick Rick Allen's left arm was like Pete Willis. It, yeah. It, had to go. it was probably a little bit taller. His left arm had a drinking problem. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they were like, it's got to go. Once we got Pete Willis and Rick Allen's left arm, out of the band that's it we can 
you know, go for the teeny boppers. <laughs> no one else <laughs> is holding us back anymore. Uh, yeah, this fucking uh, little drum machine thing. Apparently, I just found this out, too. I didn't know this. It has a fucking title. Apparently, according to the interweb, it's called, I'm not lying about this, The March of the Wooden Zombies. What the fuck? What yeah. kind of drugs are they taking? Yeah, but this does not sound like fucking wooden zombies. It just sounds like a fucking guy jerking off of a drum machine for a second. Yeah, uh, it sounds like that asshole that goes to Guitar Center and like, plays around the electric drum pads. It's my world without vocals. Yep. Now, whether or not you think that's an improvement on my world or not, um, it's it's in the ballpark, you know. I will say, I don't know if it's better. I would prefer, I mean, let's face it. I mean, obviously you could shut it off before it hits it. It's just a fucking little drum loop for a couple seconds, so it's not that offensive. I guess it's better than my world because of that. You know, it's like, I mean, not to, I mean, well, I'll be honest. I, I don't think I've listened to Use Your Illusion 2 after you could be mine since i was like a teenager maybe i mean i always shut the album off i don't listen to fucking don't cry ultimate lyrics and in my world i stop after um you could be mine so i can't say i'll have to revisit it to see which one's really worse but i can't imagine i i I would say this has to be better in my world because it doesn't have the fucking annoying try hard vocals you know it's just a little drum loop but it's stupid I was listening to this album to, you know, tonight, and that's one thing that didn't really hit me before so much was just how stupid this fucking drum machine thing is at the end of this song. Like, it's totally not needed, and it's just not that impressive. You know, it's 1983. I mean, they've already, you know, people have done cooler things with drum machines than this. It's just like, what the fuck is this? Come on, come on. Just fucking end it with the fucking song. We don't need this fucking little coda. But in a way, I guess it's foreshadowing hysteria. It's like saying, is Johnny Vogan sleeping? (laughs) 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 Did he crash? Johnny! Are you with Johnny? Oh, fuck, yeah, Bon Scott incident. Uh Oh, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Johnny Vogan might be... uh, He might be where Rick Allen's arm is right now. Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> so he's he's there with Steve Clark and Rick Allen's left arm. <laughs> Wait, let me text him. We just because I, I just want to make sure he's sleeping on the right side. Hold on. <laughs> that that is Johnny Vogan's snoring. Everyone, he passed out. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let me text him. Oh my God, we, we need to leave the sink because this is too funny. Oh, we are leaving this fucking in. <laughs> <laughs> I just texted him. Okay, um, you might have to put some sleepy time music at the end. Oh, I, I will. I'll put some, okay. some sleepy music. Johnny Bogan gone to sleep. It's a good, you know what? Johnny Bogan probably, I'm guessing he didn't like the drum machine at the end because he didn't like Rock of Ages. So, yeah, yeah, he hated Rock of Age. He hated that shit. And, and this was just a mid-tier song for him. So I'm thinking he didn't like the drum machine. So we're going to say that. Johnny Vogan officially did not like the... What's it called again? <laughs> the march uh, the, the, of the... the zombie, zombies with wood or some wood. shit. Why are they wood? I, I don't know. Why is there wood involved? This is like... Yeah, it's the opposite. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm laughing. So Johnny, <laughs> he literally has passed out. This is rock and roll. This is. This is rock. We are first person pass out on our damn show. <laughs> so Johnny Bogan's recommendation, I'm going to do it for him, is, <laughs> is sleep. Yeah. Johnny Bogan recommends sleep. <laughs> he recommends sleeping. So what... <laughs> Sorry. What do you recommend, Eric? <laughs> well, I'm gonna recommend if you if you ever uh, drink too much like Johnny Bogan, do some blow and you'll stay up longer. <laughs> but no, I recommend uh, I recommend Blue Murder's uh, debut album because I just referenced it for the last song. So fucking listen to Blue Murder debut album. I mean, Valley of the Kings, uh, Billy, uh, Black Hearted Woman, Jelly Roll. That's a fucking killer album. Uh, listen to that shit, John Sykes, baby. Okay, I'm gonna recommend. <laughs> yeah, Johnny agrees. Yeah, Johnny agrees. He loves that shit. I'm going to recommend. I don't know, something about 1983 and drum machines made me think of Madonna's first album. Ooh. Which? Yes, there's some good songs on that album. That's actually it's my favorite Madonna album. I think it's. I think out of the gate she peaked. That's it. It was all downhill after this. She had some good songs, don't get me wrong. I like most of her 80s stuff. I like True Blue a lot. Uh, I, I like Like a Prayer. I like her, pretty much all her 80s stuff. Uh, 90s, I like Erotica, a few songs on Bedtime Stories. After that, I check out, more yeah, or less. My, my favorite is Like a Prayer. I love that song so much. And I love the video with the Black Jesus so it, it was so bizarre. I was like, what the fuck's going on here? You know, this, this is crazy. Uh, this is awesome. Sexy. Sexy. It's sexy, yeah. I like like it's a very, sexy Jesus, man. I was like, whoa. It's a very good album. I like, like I said, I like most of her 80s stuff. I think Madonna's one of those crossover artists. Because I, I even knew in the 80s, I knew a lot of metalheads that did like Madonna. Because yeah. you know, her songs were catchy and she was sexy. But... I feel there's something very pure about our first album. Like, it's just ear candy. Like, there's no... Like, some of Madonna later on, she get a little pretentious. Here, it's just... This is bubblegum. It's just bubblegum, catchy, funky songs. My favorite Madonna song is Lucky Star, which she actually oh, it's a wrote. great song. She actually wrote that song, and it's a really catchy song, you know? It's funky, and I, it just has that vibe, that kind of early 80s vibe where even the pop music had a kind of street quality to it like it just sounds like new york city in the early 80s you know dance area it's got that vibe and you know it also has probably her most rocking song burning up burning up's like kind of a hard rock song it's kind of like you could tell like there was still this period where she thought she might be like pat benatar or something you yeah know? exactly yeah so i, I really, love me some pat benatar yeah burning up's a really rocking song you got you know borderline really great Pop song, really catchy. Everybody's really catchy, kind of sexy underground dance song. You know, it, it's a it's a really good album. All the songs are great. It's just it's it's short. <laughs> it's <laughs> yes, short. Johnny, I agree. John, that was Johnny's way of saying he agreed. Well, Johnny loves Madonna. He loves Madonna. He loves Madonna, and it's. <laughs> but seriously, listen. To Madonna's first album. If you if you like the dancier stuff on this Def Leppard album, you like pages, you'll like this. And and Johnny told me that he he wants you know he's a New York guy. He wants just 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 between us. 
But, you know, he, he slept with Madonna once, but... You know, he doesn't like to tell people about oh, no, it. I bought that. I bought that <laughs> sex book by uh, Madonna. Yes, I bought like Johnny. on eBay, and like I, I see Johnny Vogan in there. And, uh, he is in there. Uh, he's, yeah, he's yeah, in that yeah. book. Yeah, it's yeah. He's, he's got the. He was the only guy with red. He was the only guy with like the weird like red pubic hair. It was in black and white, but like you could tell that it was red. Yeah, it's a fire. It's hot, sexy. Johnny Vogan's a sexy man. You know. And that's why he had to be in the sex book. Him and Vanilla Ice, they both had to be in that shit. Yeah, so, Vanilla Ice is in that shit. Yeah, but, you know, so, yeah, we all know. We all know about Johnny being in Madonna's sex book. It's, yeah. it's, part, it's part of the legend that is Johnny Vogan. Hopefully, I'm hoping he's alive after this episode. It's, I mean, it sounds like he's sleeping on the right side. I think he's sleeping on the correct side. Right, yeah. Johnny? <laughs> Uh, he's not. Uh, he's mad at me because I, I brought up the sex book. That's <laughs> all right. He'll forgive you. We'll have to have him on again if yeah. if he's. I, I also recommend Madonna's sex book. Uh, check it out. It's <laughs> Johnny Bogan. <laughs> you want to see Johnny Bogan's red pubic hairs in black and white? It's in black and white. But like, but like Eric said, the, you can the red tell. the red comes through. It's like those old redheaded actresses in the 30s. You can tell. You could tell that they were sexy redheads even when they were in grayscale. You know? You could tell. You could tell. <laughs> That's Johnny Vogan. He's like a grayscaled, sexy redhead. <laughs> For real. Sleep away. Well, you, you have a love you have lovely dreams, Johnny Vogan. I, we I love feel, you, Johnny. <laughs> I feel like we should almost play your favorite song, Eric. <laughs> oh my god oh yeah I, you know what I, I hate that song but we may have to because that is like a lullaby song jesus I, I feel like we should give johnny that lullaby of the lullaby that is eric's favorite song <laughs> oh my god here's silent lucidity for johnny vogan good night good night everyone good night good night good night It's a place where you will learn to 
Smiling next to you 